Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're glad that you are here. I want to start with number 595. My soul be on thy guard, for 10,000 foes arise. The hosts of sin are pressing hard to draw thee from the skies. O watch and fight and pray. The battle never give over. Renew it boldly every day and help divine implore. Let's stand, please, as we sing and lift our hearts to the Lord. be seated. Well, the words of this hymn are good. The tune may not be just quite so familiar to some. Nonetheless, the words are very precious and important because we are in a battle in our Christian faith. We do not lift up arms. We do not take the gun and the sword, but we go forward not with these type of weapons. We go forward with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And we are to be on our guard continually because, you know, the devil never takes a day off. He does not rest. He is always engaged in undermining the Christian life. And so, therefore, we need to be ready and prepared. And it's good for us to know that we have our armor on and we are going forward with the shield of faith and having on the breastplate of righteousness of our Lord Jesus. Let's bow, please in prayer. Father, as we come tonight into the house of prayer and praise, we are thankful once more for the great privilege that we have been given to come here, Lord, and to gather with those of like precious faith and to open our hearts to give worship in praise, to pray together, to read the Scriptures. And Lord, we ask that we will be blessed by the application of the truth 
the Holy Spirit to our hearts tonight. We want, Lord, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. We want to understand a little more about the person of our, of our Lord. Father, to comprehend the depth, the cost, the immensity of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And I pray, Lord, tonight that the power of the atoning work of our Lord would be applied to every believer and, Lord, would be applied to those who are tonight outside of Christ. They are not saved. They do not know the Lord Jesus as their own personal Savior. Lord, tonight we pray that You would do that work in every single heart. Don't let anyone leave the service this evening without being conscious of being spoken to by the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that those online tonight would also receive that direction from the Spirit of God. Father, pour out upon us tonight a sense, the reality of the Savior in our gathering beside us in the pew, speaking to us with words of comfort, words of conviction, and words of direction. Lord, hear our prayer, we ask. Pour out upon us tonight, Lord, that we might know that power that is not our own. We might understand, Lord, something more of the the great wonder of our salvation. And Father, that we have been taken out of darkness and been brought into the light, that we have been forgiven our sins, and that we know we have a home in heaven when we die. Lord, the reality of this, and yet on the journey through life, that we are in a constant battle a spiritual battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil, against principalities and powers, an unseen world of power. And yet how the world would scoff, Lord, so much at some ideas or thoughts of this nature, or in some other way, Father, try with superstition, some other way of overcoming, and yet having no idea of the immensity of the power and the forces that we are dealing with. O Lord, tonight I am thankful that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. As we have believed on Him, He is ours and we are His. And I ask, Lord, tonight that the Word of God would go forward with great simplicity, clarity, and authority in the hearts of everyone who hears. Father, we pray that those in our congregation who are battling sickness, disability, grieving the loss of loved ones, 
praying, Lord, earnestly for the salvation of those in their family who are still outside of Christ. Lord, I pray that You would work deeply in their souls tonight, that You would help us, Lord, in our witness in the community, that we will be a witness not only here in Scarborough, but in Toronto and Ontario and our entire nation of Canada, that You would bless the gospel as it goes out through missionaries and every faithful preacher of the Word of God. For the hour is late, and it seems, Lord, that we are in the last of the last days. We do not know how many years, months, weeks it will be until Christ comes back again. But we ask, Lord, that we will be ready. We'll be anticipating the return of the Lord Jesus, and we'll be ready. And so, Father, hear our prayers tonight. Draw near to us. We're thankful for the joy that we have of being with others that love the Savior. And we pray that we'll know the unity of the Spirit of God in our own hearts. So hear our prayers tonight. Draw near and encourage us and bless us. We ask these things now in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, number 597. 597, fight the good fight with all thy might, for Christ is thy strength and Christ the right. We'll stand to sing.
you please turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you have your own Bible with you, that's good. If not, you can use the red pew Bible in front of you. Navigate into the New Testament and you'll find uh, the book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 29 down to the end of the chapter. Romans 8, verse 29. For whom God did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called and whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God bless this very precious portion of the Word of God to your hearts tonight. We pray you'd be encouraged by the reading of the Lord's Word. Welcome to our service tonight. We're very glad that you're here visiting, being with us, our members and those who are visiting in person and online. You're very, very welcome. We trust the Lord will encourage your heart. We're very happy that those folks joining us online tonight can be here, whether you're in the vicinity around Toronto, whether you're viewing from a distance, I want you to know you're very, very welcome in the Savior's precious name. Let me remind you that right after our service tonight, downstairs, we will be having a fellowship time. Normally, these are the last Lord's Day of the month. 
but because of the good reception that there was yesterday afternoon uh, put on by the Lewis family, there was some food left over, and um, we're always happy to help with that. And so, as there will be a fellowship after tonight downstairs, you make sure you join us. And of course, we not only enjoy the good food, but we more so enjoy the good times of fellowship that we can have. So please remember that. Wednesday evening this week is our Bible study and prayer time, and that will be at 7.30. Now, last Wednesday night, we started the first part of a documentary on the life of Martin Luther, and we want to finish that documentary this coming Wednesday evening. It's very important for us to be reminded of what God did in the Protestant Reformation and to be reminded of those men that were raised up of God and of the great awakening that took place. And we are still living today by the gospel heritage of what we have received from that time period. And we want to rejoice and give thanks to the Lord and be reminded of that before we have our time of prayer. So think about that, please, on Wednesday night. Come along in person, or also you can join us on Zoom. Thursday night will be our session and board meeting. That's our regular monthly meeting. And then next Lord's Day, our service is at the regular time of Sunday school, 9.50. We have Sunday school classes for all ages, from the very youngest up to the oldest Bible class. And come along and be a part of that this coming Lord's Day. Our communion service will be after the morning service next Lord's Day. And then in the evening, we will have a time of singing some of your favorite hymns. Let's continue, please, to support both in prayer and in a practical way our ministry students. And we think, too, of the work going on in Fredericton and Brother Diderno as he has recently gone there. We remember him in prayer. And also thankful that Brother Fraser and Newell, they are there over this Lord's Day. They'll be heading back tomorrow, I believe. But we wanted to send them there to encourage the congregation and to encourage Brother Diderno as he has taken up that ministry now and make a presentation to Mr. Neil Sampson, who's been working there for 12, no, 15 years now in the absence of a full-time pastor. And so he is faithfully every Lord's Day morning, or almost every one, been teaching the Word and encouraging the people. And we wanted to make a special presentation for him. Alex sent me a couple of photographs this afternoon just of that presentation in their morning service, and uh, that's been an encouragement. So let's hold up those people and that congregation, uh, please, before the Lord. Don't forget to keep in prayer the Whitfield College, Whitfield College, Whitfield Christian Schools, our Christian school ministries. It goes on every single day that the Lord's blessing would be upon that. Now, as we think about the upcoming Remembrance Day service, the, this coming Friday will be the Remembrance Day service for our school. And we will be having a public service here in the church at 10.30 on Friday morning. And if you would like to come along and be a part of that, you're very welcome. We would encourage any in the congregation, if you're not working, if you're able to get off, come along and be a part of that special service on Friday at 10.30. We will be recognizing as a congregation on the Lord's Day 
That'll be before our worship service commences on Sunday morning, uh, a Remembrance Day rec- recognition. want to let you know also about the ministry that we have upcoming, another mission trip. Well, I'll be going, Lord willing, next coming Monday, not tomorrow, but a week tomorrow, we'll be heading off to South Korea. Now, I said a couple of times, apparently, that the brother Lee uh, was going to be going with me. And brother, he thought he had a new name. And I said, the organist was Hannah Lee. No, no, that's, my mind is all mixed up because we're going to visit Songki Lee. He's in South Korea. But the Kims, they're going to be accompanying me. And I'm very thankful about that because they know the language and I do not. And they will be my guides and interpreters. And so I'm very thankful of their willingness to go along uh, with us, with me to South Korea. And really, I'm going to be going along with them. That's what, the way it's going to work. But uh, do keep us, please, in prayer as we'll be heading off there in the will of God on the 13th next a week, Monday. So please keep us in prayer. But we also want to let you know about a mission trip that's going to be taking place in the will of God in the month of July. Well, it starts June 29th to July the 6th. And it's organized by our Presbytery of North America. And it's going to be directed by uh, Brother Reverend uh, Derek Bowman. He's in charge, really, of organizing these mission trips. And about 10 people are going to be able to go. So uh, these these are from all of our churches in North America. And if anyone here is interested in being a part of that, you speak to me sooner than later so that we can you know, begin the process of the application and so on and see if anybody is interested in going. Cost the $200 for each person plus a flight cost to Jamaica and back and uh, some help from our congregation and even from some folks within the congregation who would like to support someone else would be possible. So please keep that very much before the Lord. And another thing that I wanted to, really the first time to begin, is a bus appeal. You've heard of curb appeal. Well, the problem is that our bus doesn't have much curb appeal, and so we need to have a bus appeal because we need a new bus. We bought Old Blue that's now been out in our parking lot 20 years ago, and it has served the congregation very, very faithfully. But it's getting a bit long in the tooth. And therefore, we need to start, we want to start an appeal to raise funds to purchase a new bus. We already have committed a donation of $5,000 that came into that appeal, and our school is now commenced their own appeal to raise funds for the bus from there. And we are hoping that the parents and the uh, constituency of our school, they will also rise to that appeal as well. So if you would like to commit something to that, we are earnestly setting that forward now for you, and you can just simply mark on your offering envelope bus, and we'll be sure that it goes toward that new project. That's all the ministry announcements I want to leave with you today. We're going to sing another hymn in our worship, number 602, 602. And let's please stand again as we sing. Conquering now and still to conquer, rideth the King in His might.
Amen. You're singing well tonight to the Lord's glory and to the praise of His name. I'd like you to turn now in your Bibles, please, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 9 of chapter 2 down to verse 17. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ." Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence unto Macedonia. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one, we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other, the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. The Apostle Paul is writing here in the second letter to the Corinthian church. He is dealing with some of the fallout or ongoing issues that he had dealt with from the first letter and some of the problems and he is trying to bring a measure of healing to that people and giving them the teaching and the correction of the Word of the Lord. But I want tonight to leave with you the words of verse 14, and specifically this phrase, Now thanks be unto God, 
who always causeth us to triumph in Christ. I want us to think tonight about our certain victory in the Lord Jesus and what that means to us as His people. And if you are not a believer in Christ tonight, if you've never been born again of the Spirit of God, if you haven't been saved by His grace, I pray that the gospel will come to your heart with power, that you will know what what Paul is speaking about here. Perhaps you noticed in the reading, he talked about him as a preacher of the gospel being a saver. He was a saver to those that believed in Christ, but he was also a saver to those that did not believe in Christ. He said to one, the unbelievers, he was a saver of death unto death. What did he mean by that? He meant that as he presented the gospel of truth and the gospel of salvation to those that rejected the Savior and were not born again of His Spirit, that message became a message of death. It became a message, it was a curse. Because when they stood before the judgment seat of Christ and they had heard the word of truth, but they rejected the word of truth, that message was a message of death. But to those that received the Word, to those that took the gospel message into their heart and received it, it was a savor of life unto life. It was everlasting life, the gift of God to us. Well, that's what the apostle was preaching. He knew that as he presented the truth of God's Word, not everyone's going to receive it. Some hear and some don't hear. I wonder, friend, tonight, if you're in this church now, have you received Christ Jesus as your own? If you're watching online tonight, have you been born again of the Spirit of God? I didn't ask you if you were brought up in a church. I didn't ask you if you had read the Bible or you had some belief in that. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized or not. Do you know how many baptized people will be found in hell at the end of it? Baptism doesn't save anybody. Being a church member doesn't save anybody. Being a good person or giving money into the church or doing something like that, all these works, they don't save anybody. My dear friend, there's only one way in which we can get into God's kingdom, and that's by knowing Christ Jesus as our own personal Savior, by confessing our sins to Him and trusting in His once-for-all sacrifice on Calvary's cross for our sin. That's the only entrance into heaven. I asked a man the other day, I said to him, my friend, he was an older man, He was in a retirement home. And I said to him, friend, what are you going to say to God when you stand before Him as to why He should let you into His kingdom? And he paused, and he thought for a minute, and he said, well, I hope that He will look upon my life 
and see that I haven't been a bad person. And I thought, you are in trouble. You are in big trouble. Because, friend, that is no guarantee of heaven. How many people think that by their good works, that by doing any number of trying to keep the commandments, things of that nature, that that's going to be the answer for them when they come to stand before God? No, that will be your condemnation. That will be your judgment on that day. Because by our own words, by admitting, I hope I've been good enough, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there is none righteous, no, not one. So, the Gospel message is very clear. And I exhort you again tonight to be sure that you are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what did Paul say here in verse 14? He said, Now thanks be unto God, who always causeth us to triumph in Christ. This is speaking about victory and our certain victory in the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you are a hockey fan or not, but the NHL is already well underway for the season. And the last time that the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup was 1967. And that goes back a long time. Some of you weren't even born then. And um, each year since that time, it usually starts off by this kind of a way. Maybe this is the year that they're going to win it. If they could be certain that they would win the Stanley Cup this year, I wonder what would happen to the price of the seats. I wonder what would happen uh, to the playoff games. Would they be sold out or would they? Yeah, I think they would be. But as someone else has said, I would not hold my breath upon that venture. Well, too many people, it seems, they buy lottery tickets and they would dream that this is the big one, this is the payoff, and I'm going to see my way to a happy life. Now, of these two examples I've given you, one is doubtful and the other is a bad bet. And I'll leave it up to you to decide which one is which when it comes to that one. You know, others will say that there are only two things that are certain in this life, death and taxes. And that may well be a true thing. Sometimes the, the greatest disappointment has come when the greatest expectation of victory has failed. But this is not the truth when it comes to our life in Christ. There was a certainty in the words of the Apostle Paul when he said and spoke our text tonight. But it wasn't Paul speaking. Oh, he was the he was the penman. He was the human instrument by God. But it was the Holy Spirit who said these very words and directed Paul to say them, Thanks be unto God who always 
causes us to triumph in Christ. The Apostle Paul knew that heaven was his home because he had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was gloriously certain to him. There was no doubt in Paul's mind whatsoever. Though that does not make it true, just because Paul didn't have any doubt in his mind, it was true because it's the promise of God. It's true because it's in the Scriptures. It's His Word. And we rest in God, and when the Lord says something, why can we believe it? We believe it because we know that God cannot lie. His promises are true. As one man said it, and I heard this years ago, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And that's not a bad thing to think about. Well, as we, as we pause over these words tonight, I pray that they will motivate and encourage us to go on when we are facing the headwinds, the headwinds of trial, the headwinds of opposition, knowing that we are assured of certain victory. It's not a chance. It's not a hope in the sense of wishful thinking. It's not banking everything upon a lottery ticket or that the Leafs will win the Stanley Cup. No, no. Our faith and our hope in Christ is, is absolutely sure and certain. And the first thought I leave with you is this. It is certain by the power of God. God's power has been revealed in this world from the beginning of time. God's power was revealed when He spoke this world into existence. The book of Genesis makes it very clear that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the scientists and the humanists and the intellectuals of this world will reject such things. They say these are just fables. These are just things that are found in a religious book to try to encourage people that have no sense of understanding what science or reality really is. And so science would want us to believe that somehow all things started at the Big Bang Theory out of nothing and materialized into everything we have today. And the complexities of life all came about by just a chance of randomness. And if you believe in that, you have more faith than it is to believe in a God, a superior being, that by His power spoke this world into existence. But that is the conviction of everyone who is a true believer in God. We have the evidence of His power that we see around us, and we look and take that as the evidence that the God who has given this evidence is the God of reality and a God of power. Not only do we have this recorded for us in the book of Genesis, but throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament Scriptures, so many indications are given to us and evidences of the power of God. And the Lord does not try to prove Himself by His power, but the evidences of His power gives ample evidence that there is a God. In Psalm 19, we are told, 
the heavens declare the power, the existence of God. His handiwork is seen in all the firmament. The detailed creation expertise of our God is seen in the minute areas of nature. And as we observe these things, we say, yes, Lord, You have made known in nature. You have revealed Your hand and Your power. And not only in nature have we seen this, but we have been given it in the revelation of God's holy and precious Word. It is the power of God that the Apostle here has said that we are kept and we are to triumph in that power. The Apostle Peter, he said that we are kept by the power of God. You know, friends, the Lord by a word spoke all creation into being. And He created man out of nothing. And yet to redeem our souls, it took the sending of His only begotten Son into this world. It took the Father to send Christ to redeem us. This was something of much greater magnitude than the creation of all humanity and the creation of all that we see out of nothing. It took more. It took God sending His only begotten Son into the world. And Peter said, yes, we are We are saved by sovereign grace, but we are kept by the power of God unto salvation. Believer, tonight, if you know Him, you did not will yourself into salvation. It was God who gave the gift of salvation to you, and you received that by the instrument of faith and you've been brought into that living relationship. Now you've been adopted into the family of God, and today you know Him, and today you love Him because He has first loved you. We are certain of victory because of the power of God. The prophet Haggai said to the people who were in captivity, the Jews in Babylon, he said that when God delivers you and He will raise you up and bring you to freedom, it will not be by might nor by human power, but by My Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And so God is speaking from heaven and He said, the deliverance that I'm going to give you is not going to be by your military genius. Well, they were in captivity. They were prisoners. It's not going to be by your sword. They didn't have any swords. It's not going to be by your maneuvers. They were prisoners. But it's going to be by my divine power and I'm going to deliver you. And He did that. And there are so many indications of the miracles and of the moving of God in nations and empires and kingdoms that He will accomplish His will and His purpose 
And friends, as we have taken a little snapshot from creation and some of the indications of the power of God that He moved among His people in the Old Testament and in the coming of Christ and in the victory of Calvary, all of this has been indications of the power of God. And I say that to you tonight because our victory is more than certain in our Lord because it is based upon a God who is omnipotent, who is all-powerful, who cannot lie, who cannot turn away from the Word He has spoken, and who has given us ample evidence. And we can tonight be absolutely certain. So therefore, when the devil comes and he whispers a little doubt in your ear, and he says to you, are you sure that you believed in the Lord? Isn't that exactly what the devil did to Eve? Are you sure that's what God said? Are you sure you have this salvation and freedom? And so tonight, as we hear God's Word, as we have it written down for us, and as the Holy Spirit impresses that truth upon our hearts, we can rest in that certainty tonight by the power of God. But the second thought is this. The victory that we have in Christ is not contingent upon circumstances. So many things in our life are contingent upon circumstances. If you're going to go on a particular picnic, maybe, you're looking at the weather, you've got the app open on your phone, you're wondering, should we or shouldn't we go? And you know, you think you're going to start out, you don't start out. You wonder, I don't want to ruin my day by doing this. I could change my plans, do something else. You find out that so many times you would step out to do something in life, but maybe you change your mind because you're just not sure how things are going to turn out. Now, as a believer, our footsteps are guided by the Lord. I know that. But we also have human responsibility. And we will take care of these things and we will measure them according to the environment around us, our circumstances around us, and we will make our decision. But our victory tonight in Christ, the fact that we are saved by His grace and the truth that we will be in glory one day, it does not and is not dependent on anything that happens in this life. And you know, the more that you and I as believers come to grasp that reality, it will help us to go through every day's life. Now, when we are responsible for making a job, getting income, going to the grocery store to buy your own groceries, I mean, God does not deliver them to your doorstep for you. He is not DoorDash. The Lord doesn't do it that way. You have to go out and get your own. You have to fill your own responsibilities. We know that. But in life, and in the serious issues of spiritual reality, and when it comes to the point of our death, we are not playing a game of musical chairs with our spiritual life. We have something that is so certain, so real, so guaranteed, 
that no matter what happens in this life, that will not change. Believer, can you come tonight to rest yourself in that reality? Can you rest yourself tonight and not be then blown about or taken away from your anchor point, your foundation? Because the devil will blow with sometimes very strong winds, and the trials will come. And you know, God allows those trials very often to come in our life, as He did in the life of Job. And I mentioned this this morning, that as Job knew those trials, he said, though He tries me, yet I shall come forth as gold, for God knows the way that we take. He knows the way that we are going. Ah, dear friends, tonight, can we say as God's servant, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him? Though it comes to the very edge of a difference between my life and my death, the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And therefore, all that we have is not contingent upon the issues and the things going on around us. If we know that, and if we take that confidence before God in our daily life, we're going to be able to face that which we cannot face by any human strength. We're going to be able to go in the strength that the Lord gives to us, realizing it's not by might nor by human power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And believer, we therefore are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. The truth of Romans 8 that we read tonight is real. And Christ is real. And He is my Redeemer. He is my Savior. He is my friend. He is my great protector. And therefore today, I can be happy in the Lord, for I know that this God is our God. He is our Lord. He is our King. And we serve today a risen Savior, and He is in the world today. Therefore, friends, we have victory, and it's certain by the power of God. It's not contingent in any circumstances. And the third point is this. It is centered in Christ. There is a, a very aberrant Christology, an aberrant way of thinking about the work that Jesus has done and His place. If you have followed any of the teachings, let's say, of some of the cults, Jehovah's Witnesses are one of them that is prominent, they would acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. So when you go and you say to them, well, you don't believe in the deity of Christ. Oh, we believe He's the Son of God. But they will say that He is a created being. They do not believe that He is of the same essence of God the Father, that He is equal to the Father in power and glory and everlasting knowledge and power. 
But we understand and believe as the Bible reveals that Christ Jesus is equal to His Father in all areas. And so when we think about the centrality of our Lord Jesus Christ, where He fits into the purpose and plan that's been revealed to us, He is presented to us in the Old Testament and the thread of redemption runs all the way through the Bible. And the person and the work of our Lord Jesus runs all the way through the Scripture. My dear friends, if we go off or wrong on the person of Christ, it will mean our eternal salvation. It is absolutely essential that we do not make an error on this point. Our victory and the certainty of our victory, it is all centered upon our Lord Jesus. And when we begin to read the Scripture and understand the Bible from that vantage point, then the Scripture will come alive to us. Sometimes Christians are more prone to read the New Testament only because they find it a little bit easier to understand. And of course, it's a joy to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a joy to study the life of Christ on earth. And of course, the Acts of the Apostles develop the ministry of the Apostles as they were spreading the Gospel message all across the world. Those things are a great blessing to us, there is no doubt. But sometimes the thought will be, I'm going to just stay in the New Testament and I'll not bother with the Old Testament anymore. Or not at all. That's a big mistake. It's a great mistake because God has given to us the prophecies, the types, the shadows, and He shows us sometimes in great detail the work that Jesus Christ was promised to do in the Old Testament shadows and types. Now, for example, to look at the tabernacle in the wilderness, to study in detail the tabernacle and all of the bits of furniture that point toward what Jesus Christ was promised to do and to come. If we avoid all of that, we will miss so much Therefore, when we come to the Bible, it's so important to pray that the Lord will reveal to us our Savior as we are reading the Scripture. So many of the Psalms, they come with the color and the tapestry of our Lord's life. And how David, in his prayer life, saw the fulfillment of Christ Jesus and the wonder of His Messiah. He's all there. But if we neglect the Scripture or if we fail to pray that the Lord will reveal His Son to us, then we will miss out a large degree. And the outcome will be that our Christianity will be relatively shallow. There will not be any depth in us. But as we pray that we will go down deeper into the Word, that we will know more of Him, it will become so apparent to us 
that all that we have is centered upon Him. And that's why the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises and in the writings of the epistles and all the teaching epistles, they take the Old Testament promises and they are revealed to us. But if you don't know what the Old Testament says, you won't fully grasp how they are fulfilled in the New And our victory is centered in our Savior. It's good for us, therefore, to pray that the Lord will make Him known to us more and more. Is that not what Paul prayed in Philippians 3? Oh, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Yes, friends, we need to know more and more of Him. And I say to you in the fourth point tonight that realizing our victory in Christ is certain, it is unmovable, it is the cure of our daily worry. Sometimes I think we, if we don't worry enough, we invent things to worry about. And that's sometimes the way we are. It might be part of our makeup. Maybe it's just part of the upbringing we've had. I don't know. Maybe the influences of people around us sometimes. But we can be prone to worry so unnecessarily. And the idea behind worry is that I want to take things into my own control. And really, if I only had control of things, really, then... I would be able to map out this path and I wouldn't have to worry about it. You've heard the saying that sometimes if you're in a lot of times, maybe in a restaurant or you're at some place and you say something to somebody, you say thank you, they say no worries. No worries, which is completely irrelevant to the idea of what you're doing. It should be your welcome, but not no worries. Who would be worrying about that? Well, It's just one of those sayings that's become quite prominent today. The fact is that we are creatures of worry very often because things come upon us and we don't know how to handle them. And we wonder what will be the answer for this specific circumstance that we're in. And so when we can't see the way forward, we begin to fret and become troubled. And worry takes a part of us. But when we think about it rationally and spiritually before the Lord, what is our worrying going to do for us? Is there any benefit to it? And I'm not saying we should not be accountable or responsible. That is part of our being as God's children. But when taking responsibility goes to that level of taking worry upon ourselves, We are not trusting the Lord. And God wants us to trust in Him. The Lord wants us to realize that our place, our position, our eternal inheritance, unmovable, the God who has saved us for eternity is asking us, can you trust me with the day-to-day of your life? Sometimes our, our worry is because we're not walking as close to the Lord as we should be. And when that happens, we tend to take things upon our own lives, and we take things to ourselves. 
Believer tonight, can we cast all our care upon Him? Can we take the truth of what Paul is saying here tonight, that thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ? In every detail, in every circumstance, why are we worrying about it then? If the Lord says, I am your Redeemer, your Savior, your Sovereign Lord and King, you trust me and I will guide you through life and I will take care of you and I will provide for you and I will protect you. If you think that means that Christian, you will not have illness, you will not have sickness, you will not have trial, you will not have some financial concerns. No, all of those things are out of track because we make an assumption that if God says He's going to be with us and help us and protect us, that none of these other circumstances are going to happen. The evidence of the Bible is full. That's not true. That's not real. And the very opposite will be the case because God often uses those trials and those issues and that sickness to draw us away from self-dependence and to draw us upon God-dependence. That's what He wants. He wants us to wait upon Him and to rest in Him. And so, knowing our victory in Christ is absolutely certain is a cure for worry. And number five, it is a motivation for service. It's a motivation for service. Because if we know the God who has created us and redeemed us, if we know personally the Christ who died on the cross to save us and bring us to heaven, if we know that we are victorious in Him, and by the way, we are not fighting for the victory, as we often say, but we are to live each day in the victory of Calvary. And if that's the truth, then it's a great motivation for us to say, Lord, how can I live my life for You? How can I serve You? How can my life make a difference in this very wicked world to my neighbors and workmates and those people who have very, very strange views about God and the world and everything else? Can my life be a light to shine and show someone the direction can I be a witness for the Master? Can I give out a gospel tract? Can I send a text to someone with a Bible verse attached to it? Oh, they might think I'm one of these Christian fanatics. Friends, let's be realistic about it. We are called to be witnesses for Christ. We are called to be servants for the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the authority has been given to us by Christ. Never mind what the world's going to say about us. Never mind what the devil's going to think or say about us. We are commissioned by the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we have authority. Therefore, let that be a motivation to serve Him with all that we have, with whatever time we have left. Because we don't know, do we? We don't know what tomorrow's phone call or tomorrow's doctor's appointment is going to mean to us. 
The doctor calls you back into the office because he's got some news to tell you. We don't know, friend, what that day will bring, what that appointment will be. We don't know how much time we have, but we do know this, that our days are in the hands of a sovereign God, and our times are in His hands. And therefore I say to you tonight, as I say to my own heart, let me live for the Lord today, here and now. Let me serve Him with all that I have, with all He's given me, with all my resources and finances, whatever they be, large or small. Let us give our our tithes, our offerings, what we can give to the Lord. Let us serve Him in that way. Let us be sure that we are holding up our responsibility at the place of prayer, praying for other believers, praying for other families, rejoicing with them that rejoice, mourning with them that mourn and are sad. It's a motivation to serve. And finally, is it not an encouragement for us to pray with confidence? The apostle says, thanks be unto God. And so, it is akin to what we were thinking about this morning, about the people being happy and blessed because they know their God. And it brings out from us a spirit of thanksgiving and worship unto the Lord. And that's exactly what Paul had in his heart. Thanks be unto God. My praise, Lord, to you because of what you've given me. I am victorious. I will never fail. I will never be in hell. I am going home to glory soon. How soon? We don't know, but our life is so short. Like a vapor comes for a moment's gone. Let this be an encouragement for us to pray with confidence and to know that the Lord uses prayer in the life of His people to accomplish things. In a strange way, we can't understand it, but God uses our prayers to move His hand. Like why He does that, why He allows it, we do not know. But He does that. And that's why when God's people get together, when we pray, when we agree as touching any matter, we are moving the hand of a sovereign God. When God's hand moves, He does things that we never could do ourselves, of course, because He is our our Lord. He is our Master. He is our King. And so we serve a risen Savior today. We serve a great God. And so I pray tonight, friends, that your hearts would be encouraged, that you'd be challenged by the Word of God, that we all would be to live each day in the victory and in the light of what we have. We're going to close our our meeting by singing number 592. 592. A great Christian hymn, Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal Master, leads against the foe forward into battle. See His banners go. Let's stand, please, as we sing.
now the words of verse 4, crowns and thrones may perish, kingdoms rise and wane, but the church of Jesus constant will remain. Gates of hell can never against the church prevail, for we have Christ's own promise, and that cannot fail. What a hope that we have that endures not just for time alone, but for all eternity. Verse 5, let's sing the last verse. please we close our meeting now in prayer and friends just as we do maybe someone here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior I say to you now where you're standing you can confess your sins to the Lord you can call upon his name and he has promised to save you friends don't leave tonight unless you're absolutely certain that you know that you are saved by his grace Father, we are thankful this evening for the joy that we have, the certainty of the Scripture, the great promises that are true and amen in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we go facing the world tomorrow, going to work, whatever it be, school, wherever the case may take us. Lord, we will go each day in the joy and victory and power of a risen Redeemer and that Satan will not be allowed to bring his temptations against us, that we will be more than conquerors through him that loved us. So, Lord, receive our thanks tonight for being allowed to be in your house today, morning and evening. We pray, Lord, that you would bless our fellowship downstairs afterward, receive our thanks for the good things provided, and bless our fellowship. Now, Lord, part us in your fear with your rich and mighty blessing. For we pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.